If you would, please take your Bibles, go to the book of Jude. That's where we're going to go momentarily. And I've been spending a few uh, services in this particular book. This probably will be the last time. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm going to try to respect your time, but also share with you what I believe God has shared with me to help us. Just a quick review. The book of Jude is written by a guy named Jude. We believe he's the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He and James were brothers. He says he's the brother of James. James and uh, Jesus and Jude all shared the same mother, but obviously a different father. Jude had a heart for the Lord Jesus Christ, and he had a heart for people. He wanted to encourage people. He wanted to rejoice in the common salvation that God had given his people. However, Jude realized there were some problems. The problems were cults were stimulating and were hurt. It's not stimulating. We're stifling. We're hindering the work of the Lord. Those who would not believe that Jesus is God. Once again, we're talking about the first century after Jesus went back to this is his brother. So Jesus has now passed away and gone back to heaven after he rose again. Now his brother probably 50s, 60s, they're all younger than he, but uh, now they're overseeing a flock for God and he, God used them on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to challenge us in this area. But he saw that there was apostasy, there was sin, there was bad doctrine, there was a cult that did not accept Jesus as God. I see also that there, was t there were tares in the church. There were people who said they were Christians, but they weren't. They knew it, God knew it, and they were not children of God. And it did stifle and hinder the work of God. And it was reason in which Jude said, you need to earnestly contend for the faith. And that faith is that body of belief that you and I need to cherish, that the church's job is to protect it and to propagate, not just faith to put your faith in Jesus Christ, you know, people can get saved without understanding the virgin birth. <laughs> you can get saved without understanding uh, the verses on eternal security. You can get saved without understanding the vicarious atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things that you don't have to know, but those things make up the body of our faith, the truth. And he said, listen, tares, imitation Christians, Im imitator Christians, they are a problem and they're worth fighting. Cults, immorality, he references Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, the society that we live in, the worldliness of the day, was an enemy of the gospel of Christ. And he says, though I'd like to write to you about telling you that you and I need to make sure that we enjoy the Christianity and share the common faith, I've had to write to you that you earnestly, with some effort, fight for the faith. Are you ready for the fight? He said, these are some things you're going to have to do because we do seriously have demonic activity to fight against. We have imitating Christians. They're not Christians. They've got, they have no Holy Spirit alive inside of them, and yet they know how to sing the songs. They know how to play the game. As we've heard many times in people's lives, they're out there. False teachings. And then the worldly ways. And he references Sodom and Gomorrah, just the, the worldliness that's there. He said, these leaders, these folks who propagate this kind of truth are falsehoods, excuse me, not the truth. But uh, he said, they're like the doctrine of Cain teaching works instead of faith. Korah, who was guilty of rebellion and gangsaying against spiritual leadership, 
of his time, Moses in particular, and the doctrine of Balaam, which is materialism. Boy, I tell you what, this one of our problems in church today is materialism. I got that problem, you got that problem. We think about money every day. We think about our convenience, our, our, uh, our comfort level, what we want to get, what our next goal is financially and things of that nature. And many of us do that at the expense of thinking about what God wants to do. We think that we own something when truth for the matter is we're not owners. We are um, we're managers. But he said some of some of these folks are like the doctrine of Cain or or, or Korah or Balaam. And he said they're going to be murmurers and they go in ungodly ways. They act in ungodly manner manners. They complicate Christianity. But then he tells us here are some things we can do to combat and to contend for the faith. And so we're going to conclude with that tonight. Would you please look at your Bible, Jude chapter 1, which is the only chapter there is. And let's look real quickly just by way of review. Verse 17, he said, here's how we contend for the faith. But beloved, remember the words that were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, remember the words that are spoken by the Lord. Dear friend, you've got, to, you've got to remember something. You've got to know something first. Some of us, we can't remember because we don't know. And this is the reason why we need to love our Bible. We need to study our Bible. We need to think about our Bible, meditate on it. We need to live our Bible, obey it, memorize it, make it preeminent in our heart and our life. Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. And remember what the Word of God says. Boy, it'd be very good if all of us would train our mouths and our minds. When you're asked a question, you got to first think, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What does God want me to do in this matter? What is it His opinion about? Sometimes I sit with our assistant pastors and we face a problem. I oftentimes will look into their eyes and they look into mine. And I say, guys, what does God say we ought to do here? Does anybody have an indication from the Scriptures? What is, is, you know, there is a way that seemeth right unto us. But the end of that can be ways of death and destruction and cause more challenge and a lot of collateral damage. But as for God, His way is perfect. Boy, in your marriage, you ought to ask yourself, what does God want me to do? Because if you do what your feelings want you to do, you got problems and I got issues. Someone said feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. Our warrant should be the word of God. Nothing else is worth believing. Though all our hearts should be condemned for want of one sweet token, there is one greater than our heart whose word cannot be broken. So go ahead and trust in God's unchanging word while soul and body sever. All things will pass away, my friend, but God's word will stand forever. You can trust God's word. He said the first way to combat and contend for the faith would be to remember the words of God. Number two, he says here, I want you to build yourself up in the most holy faith. Look, if you would please at that, verse number 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, adding to your faith virtue, separation, purity. It kills me. It drives me crazy because it hurts me so bad. We got people who came out of the world and God changed their life drastically. They, don't, they, they were drinking. They were on drugs. They were dressing uh, wickedly. They went to entertain themselves wickedly. They, God saves them. They changed that. 
They, their lives change drastically. They raise a godly seed in a godly environment, not with everybody perfect, but then their kids and their grandkids jump right back into the same filth that they came out of. What is wrong with that? I think we're not thinking. He said, that's not. You've got a responsibility to contend for the faith is to build yourself up on your most holy faith. By the way, that's my job to do for me and that's you to do for you. You're never going to be able to stand before God with excuses. Well, I, just didn't, I didn't have a good teacher. No, no. Uh, you're on your own. I do believe we ought to attend church, and one of the ways we build ourselves up is by attending church, because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We learn things through that. Discipleship, Bible Institute, Bible College, Sunday school classes. You ought to be in all of that. But the truth of the matter is, if you want to be strong, you can be as close to God as you want to be. And if you and I are not close to God, it is not anyone's fault but ours. You know it's Spanky, and I do too. If I'm not what I'm supposed to be, if I'm not the Christian I'm supposed to be, I can't blame my wife. I can't blame my kids. I can't blame my environment. I've got to get and look in the, in the mirror and say, John, it's your fault. And I think you need to say the same thing. God gives us the, the, the challenge for us. Number one, to remember the words of the Lord. Number two, to build ourselves up. Are you struggling in a sin? We'll work on it. Ask God to confess it and repent from it. And say, Lord, I want to build up. I want to acknowledge the truth and know what your word wants me to do. That's the second thing. And then the third thing we see is in verse number 20 as well, where the Bible says this. Not only build up your, your most holy faith. By the way, what a blessed thing God's given us in our faith. That body of belief. Number, number three, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Some folks say, well, that sounds kind of Pentecostal. It's not. It's not a Pentecostal statement. It's a Bible statement. Matter of fact, you'll find in Ephesians chapter 6, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In chapter 6, I think in verse number 18, as he talks about the armor of God. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Ghost? He says, remember the words of the Lord. Keep building up your most holy faith. And then he says, I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. Let me give you what I think it means. I think it means to pray in the will of God. Today, Brother Ray kind of brought us back to a verse in the Old Testament where the Bible says, delight thyself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, our hearts are challenging to us. The Bible says he that trusts in his own heart is an idiot or a fool. We're a fool to trust our own heart. You know what we do need desperately? We need the Holy Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit to know what is right, what is wrong, what is the mind of God. And we have Him. If you're saved, you and I have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. And He's there to help us. And when we pray, we're praying in the Holy Ghost. We're praying according to the will of God. And saying, Lord, what is your will for me? And I believe the Holy Spirit of God wants to communicate that. That's why we need to walk with Him. That's why the Bible tells us in Galatians, in chapter 5, verse 16, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In Hebrews, excuse me, in, in Ephesians, in chapter 5, in verse 18, be not drunk with wine, where's an excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Later on, the next chapter, chapter 6, in verse 18, He reminds us to pray always with all supplication in the Spirit. 
watching unto with all prayer and supplication. Another passage of scripture that reminds me of this is Jesus looking at James and John and uh, Peter and saying to them, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Remember the other day hearing Brother Johnny Pope preach uh, from this pulpit and he preached a great message on why prayer was important. Number one, prayer is important because it's important to God. Number two, it permeated the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, it was obedience and it is commanded of God to pray. God wants, he commands the people to pray everywhere. And then lastly, prayer changes things. It changes people and it changes me. And for that reason, we ought to pray. Say, Pastor, what can I do to contend for the faith, to earnestly contend for the faith? Number one, remember the words of Jesus. Remember the word of God. Uh, number two, let's remind ourselves of the responsibility we have to build up our own selves on this most holy, sanctified body of belief that God's given us. May I tell you something? It's not just what you believe, it's how you practice. Everyone talks someone who, who, who practices no Christianity will say, well, we share the same doctrine. I have, to, I have to just disagree with them because doctrine determines conduct and destiny. If I believe something right, if I believe the Bible, it should, it should be revealed in my life. My testimony should be different. And then we find we ought to pray in the Holy Ghost. We're talking about contending for the faith. Let's continue. Can we look in verse 21? Here's what the Bible says in verse 21. It says, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Well, my goodness, this is something God's asking me to do. Have I ever fallen out of the love of God? Well, truth of the matter, no. God so loved the world. Everyone who goes to hell goes to hell, loved by God. And he loves you and he loves me. But here he says, it's my responsibility to remind myself that I am loved by God. He loves me. He loves you. And dear friend, I think this is one of the most important things in Christianity. In Ephesians chapter 3, can we turn there if you would please? Ephesians chapter 3, flip over if you would to this passage of scripture. I think it'll be helpful to us to see it. If you're in the habit of underlying things in your Bible, you want to underline this. Ephesians chapter 3. Neha Paul is telling people why and how, why he prays and what he prays for. He prays that you'll be strengthened with his Holy Spirit by his might in the inner man. Number two, that Christ would be real to us. Number three, that we'd be rooted and grounded in love. Number four is found right here in Ephesians chapter 3. And he says here, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye be rooted, being rooted. Would you underline that? And grounded in what? Maybe circle the word love. That's what I've done in my Bible. May, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. What in the world is he talking about? He's talking about the spectrum, the dimensions of God's love. Verse 17, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, which is totally off the charts for you, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now, verse 20, would you read it out loud with me? Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we would ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. 
He's telling us here that we need to realize how much God loves us. And Jude is saying, keep yourself in the love of God. Dear friend, when you know that God loves you, when I know that God loves me, I will reciprocate that love. I will want to love him. You know the reason why people live such low moral Christian lives, weak Christian lives? They're not convinced and they don't understand the love of God. If you know God loves you, you want to love them back. You want to reciprocate that love. He says, root and ground yourself in love and know how much God loves you. And he tells us here in Jude, the way we contend for the faith is not only remembering the words of the Lord, not only building up our own holy faith, not only praying according to the will of God by the Holy Ghost, but to keep ourselves deeply in love and understanding the love of Christ. We remember this in Psalm 127. He said, God giveth his beloved sleep. I was speaking with someone not too long ago, remind him, I said, does God love you? They said, yes, pastor, I'm having some difficulties resting. Well, that's not unusual. That happens to me. It happens to many people. But one thing we need to do to help us rest in our soul is to know that we're loved by God. I think of Romans chapter 8 where he says that, uh, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, which we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Height, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities. Nothing happening now, nothing happening in the future. Nothing around me, nor any created thing can, can separate me from the love of Christ. Dear friend, if you've been thinking if God loves you, that did not come from God. That's coming from a demonic source, and you need to remind yourself, God loves me, and I'm blessed by Him to know that. So how do we contend for the faith? We keep ourselves in the love of God. We pray in the Holy Ghost according to God's will. How do we keep ourselves, how do we contend for the faith? Uh, we build up our own holy faith and we remember the words of Jesus. Let's look to the next thought. Can we do that? Verse 21, he says, not only do we, um, let me get back to my passage here. Not only do we keep ourselves in the love of God, but we look for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That is a reference to the coming of Jesus. You know, friends, we live in a day, and maybe in the 70s, it seems like when I was maybe in third and fourth grade, that there was a lot of preaching on the coming of Christ. Somehow or another, it just seems like it doesn't, it doesn't permeate our preaching quite as much. I had a friend of mine named Gilbert Gaylor, and he would say, John, all great Christians have lived in the understanding of the imminent return of Jesus that they believe that Jesus could come. The Bible says, occupy till I come. He says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. In Titus, he tells us the grace of God that, that brings us salvation had appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and live soberly and righteously in this present world and looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. John said, even so, Lord Jesus, come, come quickly. I want to be anticipating the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I ought to be living with a conscious awareness that he could come anytime. And we're closer now than we've ever been. It's getting crazy out there. I think about uh, some of the things that have happened and, 
And in the, in the tribulation period, they say there's going to be two men laying in the streets, the, the prophets of God who are going to be slain, and the whole world's going to watch two men laying in the road. How in the world could that happen in 1800s, the 1500s? You know, if you got a head, you got a brain in your head, you know that could happen. <laughs> We're not there yet. There are some places where they can't get access to Internet, and that's not a reality. But boy, that, that window is closing fast. There's people, they don't, they don't even have, they have dirt floors, but all of them have smartphones. Able to see things at just a click of a button. They're tracking people and going through all kinds of things. And even you've heard about putting chips in our fingers. And it's unbelievable. All the things that are being talked about today. You know what it's, it points to? You can stop looking for the signs and start listening for a shout. <laughs> it's, it's looking at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God doesn't mind us thinking about that. He doesn't mind us looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ in His coming. When's the last time you thought about that? Do you even want it? Are we so caught up and entangled with the affairs of His life we don't even think about His coming? You know what His coming does? It makes us live more elevated in our life. You talk about someone living uh, and with not the conscious awareness of Jesus and His presence and His, and His coming again, you're going to find someone living a very cheap Christian life. They're going to be drinking alcohol. They're going to be looking for things that, that, that solve their conscience and, and, and that calm their conscience rather than anticipating the coming of Christ. You know what kind of people contend for the faith? People that anticipate the coming of Jesus. Do you do that? Do I do that? How do we contend for the faith? We listen and we remember the words of Jesus. We build up our own, home, our own faith. We pray in the Holy Ghost. We look to God to help us in, in the areas of keeping ourselves in the love of God and we anticipate the coming of Christ. Two more things. The next thing are words you probably have said a thousand times if you've been a saved for a while. And it's verse 22. And some have compassion, making a difference. And others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. I think this is speaking of spirit-filled soul winners. Compassion. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It comes from Him and it comes from the Holy Spirit inside of us. Some people get saved because someone just keeps loving them. Someone looks beyond their fault and sees their need. Looks beyond their rejection and still loves them anyway. I was speaking to someone this week and it was an, a man and his wife said, if you bring that gospel track, I'll throw it in the trash, Pastor Wilkerson. <laughs> and so obviously I know, we you know, as I heard that precious lady say that, and I say that precious seriously, she needs Jesus. She needs the Lord. And you know what? It's probably not going to be fear to bring her to Christ. It's probably going to be compassion. Somebody's got to show compassion. Somebody has to understand that God brings people usually one of two ways. One, through compassionate soul winners. Another one, through fear that's generated in their hearts. One of the reasons people have gotten saved in this coronavirus is because they've been a little fearful. They started thinking about their, their mortality. But you know, that should make a soul winner, a spiritual soul winner, sensitive. Is this the person I should talk to? We're talking about contending for the faith. You know one of the ways you contend for the faith? You share it. 
you give it. You, you look for opportunities to give a gospel tract, to talk to someone about Christ. And then lastly, we see here, and when we contend for the faith, we trust the Lord. What a beautiful conclusion to the book of Jude. Would you just look at it as we conclude tonight? Look at verse 24. After he challenges us to remember the words of the Lord, to build up our faith, to pray in the Holy Ghost, to keep ourselves in the love of God and look for his coming, anticipate his coming so we can spend eternal life with him. To be a faithful soul winner, he says in verse 24, now unto him, it's about him, that is able to keep you from falling. Aren't you glad that that's the kind of God we have? And to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. I don't know about you, I'd like to bring Jesus some joy. I'd like for Him to be able to present us before the Lord, God the Father, with exceeding joy. And then He says, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. What a conclusion. And I think it just reminds us to contend for the faith. We must see God and the Lord Jesus Christ as who He is and put Him and keep Him that place in our life and make sure that we understand that it's all about Him. Make much of Jesus. That would be my last point. Evaluate who He is. He's the only wise and the eternal. And, and to Him be glory and majesty and dominion both now and forever. Amen. Is that your opinion of God, or do you have a different opinion? I don't know where you are, but I'd like to earnestly contend for the faith, and I pray that God will help us with that. I want to thank you for listening tonight. I do not know where you are with the Lord. I'm not sure if I said anything tonight from God's Word that challenges you as a child of God. I hope so. You know, I think every time God speaks to us, He deserves a response. And no response is still a response, but let's give him a positive response. If he's told you, you know what, you're wrong. You're not treasuring my word. You're not remembering my word. You're not building yourself up. You're not praying in the Holy Ghost. You're not keeping yourself in the love of God. You're not anticipating my coming. You're not a soul conscious Christian. You're not making much of the person of Jesus Christ in the Godhead then let's decide, you know what? I want to work on it. I want God to help me with that. And right where you are, would you go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, this Bible study needs to challenge me and change me. I'm tired of just being challenged. I like to be changed. I don't want to preach a message I'm not willing to practice. You pray for me. And I'll pray for you. Let's do what God wants us to do.